you know, Murphy, I'm surprised as we think through all the public debates that are happening right now, that so much of it is based on the fact that we're arguing about what are facts. Mm. And it doesn't seem like we have a common set of facts anymore to base all these debates on. No, you're absolutely right. It's the biggest problem we have. I'd like to share and recommend a new documentary podcast series called Fate of Fact, written and narrated by Pulitzer Prize-winning historian and best-selling author John Meacham. America has always been a country of competing visions, a nation shaped by the push and pull of vigorous debate. But now that fragile consensus to find truth feels fundamentally broken. Gibbsy, I couldn't agree more. You and I disagree about a lot in politics, but I think you're a patriot. I think you're my opponent, not my enemy, because we can have a fair debate about different issues where at least we agree on the facts by which we measure the problem and measure success. So our friend John Meacham, a very thoughtful guy, many of you might have read some of his excellent books, is addressing this in this new podcast series. So join John Meacham in Fate of Fact as he explains how and why fear and power have conquered truth and why respect for data and fact has become a casualty of war in the United States. Fate of Fact, a new audio documentary from Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C13 original studio, is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. I know we're going to. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. The worst pandemic in a century. The worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. The worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. So there you have it. That was President Joe Biden, 48 years after he first entered the Capitol as a young U.S. senator, giving his first speech as president of the United States to a uh, a, a kind of depopulated uh, chamber there. Uh, but an interesting an interesting speech, uh, Murphy Gibbs. Good to see you guys late. <laughs> Here we are after the after the festivities. Working the late shift again, just like the campaign. Uh, we'll be, let's do the little thing first and then the big thing. What did we think about the half-empty room? I thought it was weird and robbed the thing of any electricity, but I don't know. It let him be conversational. So I don't think it was crippling or awful, just weird and different. My thing on, on Biden is his speeches are fireside chats. They're not speeches. And so anything that allows him to be more conversational is probably to his advantage. I think he actually benefited from it. Uh, Gibbs, you and I sat in that chamber for speeches, presidential speeches before. What do you think? I think it probably helped in two ways. One, to what you said, I mean, and I think the, the contrast of calm demeanor and clear language, I think that's helped him every day. Uh, of these first 100 days in his presidency. I, I think the contrast between he and Trump helps him whenever you see him. I think secondly, also, as you mentioned, Axe, this is, <laughs> he's almost done, he, he's been in this chamber and heard 
48 of these speeches. And I think having fewer actual members of Congress in there probably helped remind did, helped to remind him that his audience actually wasn't in that room yeah, as much as right. it was on TV. And and my guess is he could have had he, he could have fallen into that trap of talking to all those people in that room and forgetting that the audience uh, in America was who he was trying to reach. That's true. And the other the other element here is that there are only 18 apparently Republicans. And there, I read that. I, I knew it was a small number. Apparently, many didn't take advantage of the invitation. But uh, that isn't a very uh, that isn't a very good sort of booing section. Uh, you know, there wasn't the usual kind of counter demonstrations and so on that you see. That probably benefited him as well. You know, I, just speaking of that, I do, it was historic to see two women there long overdue in the speaker and VP job. But on one yeah. level, I kind of missed the old tension between the R&D back there, one that claps, one half scowls. Nancy was clapping so fast, I think she literally went aloft for about five seconds. Um, it was just a pure wall of enthusiasm. So as television, I thought that was kind of just a, an amusing thing. I, I don't you liked agree it better guys, when she was ripping up the speech, huh? Well, that was that was good drama but uh um, (laughs) that was awesome by the way i I won't agree with you that it really helped him but it did play the conversational i agree with you fireside chat biden but it wasn't high oratory it was a laundry list kind of state of the union type thing and you know it worked but not great well you know i actually i think the first 40 minutes were not actually i mean one of my one of my questions about the speech was it was for 40 minutes whether you agree with it or not, and I know, Murphy, you don't, uh, with a lot of elements of it, he did make a very strong case for his economic plan. Uh, and and then it became what States of the Union speeches, State of the Union speeches uh, often are, which is kind of a litany, as, as Gibbs knows from working in the White House, you know, it's a rent-the-space kind of thing. Everybody's fighting for their sentence or paragraph in the speech, and you've got to touch all these bases. I thought he made such a strong, coherent argument for his for his uh, plank, for his economic plans, that um, it kind of lost a little energy when he started going through the list of other no issues. Doubt about you know, it. And it may be that that, that that list, certainly he had to do it because he had to touch these bases, and it may be that those things actually energized a lot of people. But I felt like if it it sort of diluted the power of the economic message. I agree. I, I think there were, you know, it, it felt like it had a genuine point of view in the beginning uh, and, and a reason and, and a focus. And, and then I think it got to a point where, as you said, it just became, and we should do this and we should do this and we should do right. this and we should. And, and look, I mean, to, to, all of those things that he said are probably things that poll in the 70s. Um, yeah. So you're lifted by, as you said, that idea of of the things that are popular and, and whatnot. I do, think, I do think what will be unique as we go forward in this is do we hear more of that beginning structure, which is this race to define the next part of the Biden presidency and to get – these big lofty ideas passed or are we going to sort of fall back into kind of rote political rhetoric? And I think that will be an interesting 
battle that will be waged over the next several months because I think there is going to be a huge race to define what we heard tonight. It's funny. I had so many different thoughts watching this because I think, well, this was not an electric speech you at the have, moment. You always have a lot of thoughts, man. You well, I, all the voices you're, you're in my head thinker. were, yeah. well, they were, they were all, all barking different things. But <laughs> I think this is the kind of speech we're going to look back and see a big inflection point that isn't obvious. One, it's the first kind of post-COVID speech of the Biden presidency. He took his victory lap on that. There's more work to do, but this was about above and beyond that. Second, there is no doubt that he is making a huge bet here. And if I were working for him, watching it, watching the news coverage, I'd be like, wow, the big spending, big government days are back frame is really taken over. And I'm not sure that's what they wanted. They probably wanted jobs, jobs, jobs. But he's made the biggest classic tax and spend, and I'll say the L word, liberal move in the last 50 years. Uh, now, it might be the right move for him politically. It energizes base, et cetera, et cetera. But even the hopeless, space laser, moronic, overplaying Republicans, uh, God bless my friends and few ex-friends, uh, this is going to simplify <laughs> yeah. life for them pretty much. This is pretty obvious. Tax and spend, yes or no. Now, he's saying jobs, but I think that, and I'll finish with this, there is a difference. This is not 1933, the first year of FDR, when unemployment was 26%. It is 6%. So there's definitely economic pain out there, but this is an fdr size move uh, in, a, in a situation that is not the Great Depression. And I think he has vulnerability there as this plays out. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. Hey there, Gibbsy, a question for you. When is Mother's Day? You don't know when Mother's Day is, Murphy. Come uh, on, get it together, man. May the 9th, Sunday, oh May the God. 9th. You know what? I'm just the kind of screw-up that better learn about the convenience of 1-800-Flowers. How's that for a transition? Because 1-800-Flowers.com, make sure you send the message that a mother is someone you love with all your heart. So how, how do I do it? Teach me. School me, Gibbs. Murphy, now that we've taught you when the date is, now we've got to get you to order them right. So right now, 1-800-Flowers is offering 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99. We have a rose bouquet from 1-800-Flowers here in the studio. Allison just got this wonderful bouquet. It's gorgeous. It looks great. It smells wonderful. You know, I have to confess, I got the bouquet too. The good people at 1-800-Flowers.com sent it to me, and uh, I thought it might have been from Trump, but no, it was pretty cool. It's it's amazing how convenient it is, and I can tell you the roses are great. I immediately regifted it to my wife, and uh, big point. So I can't wait to send a 1-800-Flowers bouquet to my wife again, because I was a week early because I'm too screwed up and in my own head to know when Mother's Day is. So I'll be doing that. Now, all roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak, cared for every step of the way, and shipped fresh to ensure lasting beauty. And I can vouch for that because I was very impressed with the packaging and the quality of the material. Murphy, a tip for you, picking an early delivery date ensures that your bouquet will arrive in time to make Mother's Day special. Mm. 24 multicolored roses, Plus, a free vase for $34.99 is an amazing offer, but prices will be going up, so order before Friday. And whatever you do, don't be a knucklehead like me. Don't put this off. Order today from the official florist of Mother's Day, 1-800-Flowers.com. 
So to order 24, 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for just $34.99, go to 1-800-Flowers.com. And what do you do when you get there? Click the radio icon and enter the code HACKS. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code HACKS. Let me back up for a second. Um, I thought one of the interesting things about it was the timing of the speech. You know, this is the late, I think it's the latest in yeah. my memory when a new president has addressed the Congress. And they, sp- they, they, they consciously waited for this moment because they wanted to be able to claim momentum. Uh, they wanted to be able to s- say, you know, we got, you know, 200,000, 200 million people vaccinated. We, you know, we've had more job growth than any president has ever had in the first few months of his, his first hundred days of his presidency. We, you know, and go through the things that Biden did at the beginning, which I think, you know, their idea was that that would provide momentum Mm -hmm. for uh, the next phase. You know, we'll see if that is true because the next phases are harder. Yes. Uh, but uh, uh, but I, I thought, you know, I think one of the things that you have to give them credit for is they, by and large, through all that every, every presidency has to pick through uh, that distracts them, uh, they've been pretty disciplined about focusing on the virus mm-hmm. uh, and focusing on the economic, on their economic plans. And, um, and delaying the speech to almost May was part of that strategy, and I thought the opening was very effective. Yeah, uh, you know, basically laying out the uh, laying out the uh, the things that have been accomplished relative to the virus and the recovery. Um, you know, I think it it did give you a sense that well, these guys have their shit together. You know, I think the production was missing one vital element, though. I got tired of the reaction shots of the empty room. They should have had one camera. I don't know if he was there or at home or opening a new coal mining research center paid for by federal government, but there should have been a camera locked on Joe Manchin the whole time because, you know, he was the vote in that world that counts. And he kind of put a harpoon in the whole thing a couple hours before the speech in The Hill where he started talking about too much too big. So I I started to think Bizarro land a little because I'm not sure how much of this he can actually do now. It's all going to come down to Mansion. I think that was a misunderstanding. I think someone told him that Biden wanted to tax mansions, and he thought they were talking about him. <laughs> I think he does capital gains <laughs> on house sales. But anyway, uh, we're see. Uh, this was definitely chapter one opening move, but this long way to go. Look, we we we've set the contours now for the next really two to four years, right? The 2022 and 2024 are going to be about what we heard tonight, right? There, as you said, Murphy, big big bets, lofty goals. Um, and, and and some huge plans. Now, I would push back a little on what you said around this idea of you know it's not nineteen, um, it's not nineteen thirty three. We, we had a million, one point three million jobs created uh, last month. We've got to have twelve more months of one point three million jobs created to get us back to where we were pre COVID, right? And I, I was struck by how much of this speech could have been done acts given given by Biden on his first trip to meet um, 
the leader of China or or his first trip to China because so much of it was posited against not only what we have to do, but what we have to do to meet the moment in an ever-changing world. So I, I think I, I think it's a very interesting series of bets. I think it's a very interesting series of contours. And I think, quite frankly, both parties are going to want to talk about the same thing just from different viewpoints, taxes and spending. I right. Think Democrats, Absolutely. It's a battle of definition. Right. And de- Democrats are happy, you know, interestingly enough, happy to have some of these fights in probably ways they haven't wanted to or has been as eager to in the past. And and I think that's what's going to be fascinating. Murphy, your party's going to say tax and spend, even though I'm less um, – I'm I'm less optimistic than you are that you can you guys can put away the Dr. Seuss and the Mr. Potato Head long enough to be <laughs> focused on this. So we'll see. Um, but but I think there's this you know each of each party is going to want to talk about taxes and spending over the next several months and just from very very different vantage points. Well, let me postulate this to you two wizards. If we had an alternative history, right now, he's going to swing for the fences. It's going to get chipped down. It's going to be partisan. He's going to say the Republicans won't do anything bipartisan. And we're going to hear from Tim Scott, who did the Republican uh, response later. They're going to say, you're giving us massive stuff we can never agree to, not in good faith. So on it goes, big battle, as you guys say, tax and spend. Soak the rich, kill corporations, good, good, good. Free money for you, good, 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 versus the usual Republican stuff. If Biden made a deal tomorrow, he could get a $1 trillion infrastructure deal with bipartisan support. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Then he'd have a big bipartisan victory, and the tax and spend thing would be a little less. Now, for policy, let's put that aside. If he did that and went that route, do you think it would help him do better in the midterms, or it's better to keep the progressives happy, which, boy, tonight, that was a cupcake the size of Mount Rushmore for him. Uh, and just battle and try to win the definitional war and go to the midterms that way? Or do they think because of, you know, the redistricting and all that, the midterms are probably gone, jam it in 18 months? What, what is going on in their, their minds? I think that they their feeling is probably the more that, that they can juice the economy, the more they accomplish, whether they do it on a partisan basis or an, uh, a, a bipartisan basis, that the big thing is, can they produce and does it juice the economy to the point where you go into the midterms with a roaring economy, lots of growth, lots of jobs. But I think, to your first point, um, you know, I keep thinking there's a play here for Manchin, for Biden, uh, and, you know, no Manchin, no go. So Manchin's important here. He's got ultimate veto power. So he desperately wants a bipartisan uh, infrastructure bill, they could carve out uh, a, a, a you know a, a large piece of the infrastructure bill, and you know larger than the Republicans want, smaller than Biden's proposed. Uh, you know maybe you don't have the uh, home health care four hundred billion yeah. for home health care in there, and you know there was an interesting twist that didn't get much attention here. Uh, you know, Biden now has asked for $80 billion to beef up the, uh, uh, the IRS to go after tax, tax avoidance at the top. Look you know, out, Gibbs. And, um, <laughs> uh, goes my Caribbean billions. <laughs> you, you told me, Gibbs, you were going to share the name of your account, by the way, but I'll talk to you afterwards about this. 
you know, th- there are p- Larry Summers and a woman who's now working at Treasury did a paper on this. Said they thought over ten years you could get an extra one point four trillion dollars out of that. The CBO may have a different view of this, but you could see Republicans saying, "Okay, we'll be for that," and then we can assign that money to the uh, and 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 pay for this infrastructure bill. That way, they don't have to vote for higher taxes. Um, you know, maybe they'll vote for uh, to take it to 25% on the corporate tax. Yeah, maybe. there are votes for that, I think. I, I think there's a trillion-dollar deal that can be done, maybe even a little bigger with the appropriate scoring trickery like that. But I do think that that, that would probably, Biden would ask Manchin, if we do this, yeah, yeah. Does that will do you it? vote? Will you will you will let us move forward on reconciliation on the stuff the Republicans won't support? And he he may thin some of that down. The truth of the matter is, there probably isn't a state in the country that would uh, benefit more right. from the social safety net spending that uh, Biden wants to do than West Virginia. And there's probably no state in the country that would be touched less by the taxes totally. that Biden is asking for to pay for it. I do think the process around how they do this is going to be extremely important. And I think you can do a lot of 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 this. And I think you saw our friend uh, Jen Psaki say today that there's a lot of different ways to pass this. You could pass this, as, as we've just discussed, as the cement part of infrastructure and take the other parts and put it into one or two different reconciliation packages. You could actually break up some of this stuff and do it you know, bill by bill and rack up some bipartisan wins and do the reconciliation. And to, to your original question, Murphy, I think I think doing it that way is is the best hope they have in the 2022 elections, because I yeah, think no, you're right. I think what what people really loved is that that Joe Biden was going to try to do things differently and try to be bipartisan. And so I think if he can go to the country and say, we did that, and where we could find agreement, we passed it, and we did it in a bipartisan way. And then he'll do his other spiel, which is when we couldn't get it done bipartisan, I just didn't think we could wait. I just well, I, I thought one of yeah. his lines where it said the rest of the world isn't waiting for us, doing nothing is not an option. Then he says, you know, th- then it's sort of the best of both worlds on the campaign trail. Yeah, I, I think they could bust a bunch of jabs here and quit trying for the roundhouse, which is, all right, let's do a trillion of concrete, water pipe, new power grids, ports, airports, all this stuff. You know, 80% of what he talks about is 30% of his bill. So there's a reason that stuff plays. So do the trillion deal, be the king of bipartisanship, then bust out the educational stuff. The community colleges, all that, which a lot of states do now, even Republican states, is popular and have a nice, juicy education bill. I think he could get Republican vote. Now he's had two wins. Then do the softer stuff that the Repubs are never going to go for and try to turn it into, you know, wedge fights and reconciliation and have your brawl where you're offering people the free money stuff, I cynically say, as a Republican who doesn't like big government. Offer them, if you're going to offer them the payola, get it closer to the election. Right. Um, and and, and ha- build up some wins first. Then you've got a good chance to talk to those suburban voters, those independent voters. Yeah. That you've gone that extra mile on on the bipartisanship and you've got some real wins to show for it because when Washington can actually put aside its partisan differences, it can get something done on something they all agree on. But they also have the left wing of our party 
or the Democratic Party, I should say, not your party, Murphy. Sorry, I'm trying to. No, I'm still there, but I'm trying to conscript you, whether they like it or not. Yeah, yeah, they've asked me to leave, but I'm the guest who won't go. (laughs) The party's over, brother. It's three. It's three o'clock. Go home. Where's the vodka? It's time to dance. (laughs) But I think you could then, you know, keep keep the liberal wing of the Democratic Party pretty happy going into an election. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. Murphy, a few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine Mm. all of that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Oh, Gibbs, I'll tell you, I'm getting twitchy just hearing about it. There's plenty of stuff there that ought to stay private. I don't need the uh, deep state looking into my affairs. So what do I do about it? To keep your private data private, when you go online, turn on ExpressVPN. Okay, I'm reading about this, and did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose whole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of the data points they trade in is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. It's kind of like your address on the Internet, and it's important data you don't want everywhere. Both ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server, and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn on ExpressVPN, I get a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button and bingo, you're protected. So if you're like us, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap and get three extra months for free. That's an incredible deal, whether you're a dangerous left-wing radical like Gibbs or a government-suspicious libertarian conservative like me. We can all agree in a moment of bipartisanship, privacy on the Internet is important. So go to expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap. expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap. That's expressvpn.com slash Hacks on tap to learn more. Let me ask you guys a question, though, Gibbs, and particularly Murphy. If you're Mitch McConnell and you're sitting over there, I'm listening to everything you guys are saying. It's like, this would be good for Biden. This will help Biden win the midterm elections. Where is the impetus for McConnell uh, to 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 go to make that deal. One of the reasons he was opposed to everything under Obama was Obama ran very strongly on the idea of bipartisan cooperation. Yeah. And McConnell knew that that basically handed him a veto. Uh, and, uh, you know, and and that if they if, in fact, Obama succeeded in making these bipartisan deals, it would cement his position. So. You know, 
politicians being focused as they are on their own asses most of the time, certainly the leaders on winning seats. The only issue is whether they believe that being a party in opposition on everything, and particularly on a bunch of stuff people want, is, you know, can you can you sloganeer about big government and spending and taxes, especially, by the way, after going on a hi- hiatus for, for four years under Trump on these, can you... Can you then make that work for you and ride to re-election or, you know, re- recovering the, le- the the House and the Senate by just opposing all the ideas that Biden is championing that are actually pretty popular? I know, but I, you always think I'm in a hopeless dreamer bubble about the Republican <laughs> Party. And I think you're in a kind of a hopeless McConnell reflexive hate bubble because Mitch has won the game both ways and whatever one looks better he'll jump on he's done the thing delivering accomplishments he's comfortable with that and he knows he's got to win the Senate he's going to have to play outside the red box a little hold some stuff and pick up somewhere tough like a Pennsylvania if he can get a candidate so being able to say we pass common sense education stuff um, we put a million people to work with infrastructure with a Republican plan. We we managed to cut crazy spending by Biden in half. They, they, he could run a pretty good midterm play on that, or if he can't get what he wants, he can play the Grinch role, but that rolls him back to his base and he doesn't grow. I think they all know, the smart guys, McConnell, some of the House people know we got to get the suburbs back. And, and giving them the education college stuff without the, all the other and giving them the infrastructure and broadband and jobs and clean water stuff, it, it's a pretty good hand to fight with. Um, so I think it could go either way. I, I don't think it's locked down to a no. I don't think the win is only Biden's because in the end, even if you get infrastructure and small education done, you're going to be at war with Biden over all the lefty social safety net stuff. Oh, or, yeah, all that you know, stuff that people are like, in favor of well, but you get your tax and spend war over that because Biden Biden starts with a blank check, uh, and that is a big target. So I think Mitch gets that fight no matter what. Let me give you an, another answer, Axe, to your question: Is I think Joe Manchin is watching both sides on this, and I think if yeah. Joe Biden says, "Great, let's do the concrete part of infrastructure in a bipartisan way," and Mitch McConnell says. Nope, I'm not going for it. Then I think Joe Biden can go to to Joe Manchin and say, look, I'm with you, brother. I'm not letting the I I agree with you. I I don't think we should fundamentally change the way the Senate's worked for so long, even though it's not really worked that long that well. But these guys aren't going to they're not going to play along. Look, they won't even vote for what they 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 propose themselves. We've got to do this a different way. And the only way is reconciliation. The key for Biden is to get caught trying. Exactly, and and, to, and 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 that's in terms in terms of reeling Mansion in, he's going to have to trim back a bunch of this stuff to get just to just so Mansion can say I got him to trim back yeah. a bunch of this stuff. They'll have to, but move, Mansion yeah. can't go uh, one party unless uh, uh, unless he is persuaded, right, or can say with a straight face a good deal was offered and the Republicans wouldn't play. Yeah, but if Manchin were to lead the parade on a hard infrastructure bill of a trillion, a trillion one, McConnell could not hold his caucus against it. There, no. there would be seven or eight who would go there. They've already said so, pretty much. And remember too, I mean, th- th- this whole strategy, uh, very much what we've talked about was was first popped by Chris Coons uh, a right. couple of weeks ago, of, and of, of of cutting the hard infrastructure stuff, right. 
loose and cutting a separate deal on it. Right. And and look- We should I, point out I, Coons has a, you know, Coons is super close to Biden. Exactly. I mean, this is like, you know, this isn't just some senator random other se- senator. Yeah, yeah. This is the, this is one of Joe Biden's, you know, closest allies in the Senate and a fellow- uh, as you Delawarean. said, Del- uh, Delawarean. So is that what they are? I never knew what the Delaware thing fighting was. Fighting blue hens, isn't that what they are? Delawats, yeah. De- Delawareans. Delawareans. Yeah, no, we, we can see the cake recipe here. They all know it, and they're just blinking Morse code to each other. Yeah. yeah. But the process will be the process will be interesting and very determinative about, I think, in 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 what happens in, in a lot of this go forward. So here's my question for you, Gibbs. If you're a suburban Democrat Okay. In a place like New Jersey, or uh, you know, or or if you're uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema sitting out there in Arizona, where Maricopa County, mostly a suburb, is sixty uh, percent of the vote in that state, this uh, tax stuff is probably a little bit more concerning to you. You know, overall, it polls very strongly. I mean, people feel like. Uh, you know, the rich should pay their fair share and they've kind of had a banquet for a long time while everybody else was right. struggling. So that's good for them. And, you know, let's not punish the rich. But, the, you know, I think Biden posited it well tonight in his speech. But if you're some of these suburban Democrats, and remember, it only takes a few right. in the it's House. The, I think four. there's a three vote. Now, now I think it's down to three, but maybe it's four uh, that she can lose. Right. Uh, and pass this uh, pass this stuff. Um, are they getting nervous in the service, you think? Yeah, I think probably some of them are. I, I think the, the, the good thing here is a lot of this is simply taking away what what Trump had, uh, what Trump changed only a few years ago. I, I, so I think the difference here is that What's being proposed on the income tax side is not something completely crazy and unthinkable. Uh, it's something, it's quite frankly, a series of tax rates not dissimilar to what we had four years ago. So I, I, I think in the end, you hold a lot of people together because I think you've got a lot of stuff in there that is good for them. Uh, and so, look, again, I think there is – this is – Murphy and I, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago. I'm sure you guys did as well, It's which is this is a real just race to define what's in here and what you get right. out of it. And 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 I think I, – I think, you know, I'm glad to see Biden is going to hit the road tomorrow. I think there's a mm-hmm. lot less of that in, in, a, in a COVID world than we're used to seeing. We didn't see a traditional – really a traditional campaign. So I think there's a lot of – ground war that has to be won here and 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 i think if biden is going to be successful he's gonna have to make a very active case on this i I think democrats should really you know ramp up some of the super PACs. i I think some some air cover some ads in the next six months which is not normally what you would prescribe uh in in the normal arc of a two-year congressional campaign i think will be important to define what this bill is about uh, and why it's good for Democratic members to vote for. Just because there's going to be there's the onslaughts coming on the other side and we just better get ready. But I think, David, your your spider sense is tingling the right way about the Maricopa yeah. counties. I thought world. it was something I ate. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it the the thing that Repubs have always cashed in, the good progressives are a little blind to 
you know, on our side, we're blind to a lot. But when you do these limited tax things, they know that the tax monster would rather not be limited. They have low faith in that, that it'll only get them. They'll find a way to get me. Morningstar has a high-click article out for the people who are obsessed with personal finances today about, look out, if you sell a big house, those capital gains could be doubled. Yikes, yikes, look out, retirees. There's just a real sensitivity, particularly in the suburbs, the taxes, when there's always the clever, you know, sub only if you're left-handed and vote Republican. You know, that's the only time you're going to get taxed. Yeah, I think another people place, uh, people who build, uh, who build businesses up, small businesses that yeah. become worth something and they sell them, they're, you're going to hear those counter examples. I do think this is a battle of definition. And, you know, Republicans would like to wrap together the $5 trillion and the and, you know, some of these tax examples and say, you know, this is classic tax and spend. Well, we know what the Republicans are going to do because Tim Scott sort of previewed that uh, for us. So yeah, we should we, sh- we listen should, to uh, a little? Uh, let's let listen play to a, a little here. of uh, of Tim Scott. We passed opportunity zones, criminal justice reform, and permanent funding for historically black colleges and universities for the first time ever. We fought the drug epidemic rebuilt our military, and cut taxes for working families and single moms like the one that raised me. Our best future will not come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people. Socialism, the S word. I hope you snowflakes are ready for a lot more of that. It's coming. He was singing the hymn that I think in the Republican universe resonated pretty well. I'm not sure with the heavy evangelical stuff and all that, it really moved outside that. You know, both parties were kind of talking to base groups. I think Biden was trying to go to the middle with the bumper sticker stuff that's popular. But uh, other than the worst camera work in the history of State of the Union <laughs> yeah, responses, you guys are which is saying offended. something, you know, I don't, I, in the old days, I would make a, make a joke I'd probably get in trouble with about blind, deaf, and dumb camera operators. But it was terrible. But he's got talent, and he's good, and we're going to be seeing more of him. Yeah, just yes. Somebody should just the the shirt and the tie washed out pretty badly. Here, here's my question though for you, Murphy. Um, does what's left of your political party have the discipline to have this fight? I, I just I'm not convinced that because I'm I'm fairly good stunned you're after right, right. the first hundred days that there hasn't been quite frankly more of. Um, you you guys were we used to always get wrapped because we people would say your slogans don't even fit on bumpers of big cars because they're so <laughs> big and wordy and and we've got these like really which huge, are problem because Democrats don't drive big cars right it's yeah uh, Prius is a hell of a hard bumper to but fill I up. but I so you know do you think you've got the is it this is a well big you fight know with that's Space a great lasers. question Robert I watching this I thought my God. By doing FDR two, when we're not in a in a Great Depression, we're in an economic challenge, but not a Great Depression. He's going to be able to glue together even the chuckleheads on my side. But then, thirty minutes later, Kevin M- McCarthy put out a chucklehead tweet about hell that could have been an email, which was snarky and stupid. And you don't go after Grandpa by being an asshole, you know. Yeah. There's so much stuff in the bill. This is like a referendum campaign. Biden says free college, this, that, great stuff, all tested 70%. And then you find little things. You know, his bill will spend more on liberal puppet show training programs than it will on ports. And there is stuff like that. Uh, But they don't have that discipline right now. But if anything can bring them together, 
It's understanding that they've got to post up and have a policy debate against the biggest tax and spend move in 50 years plus. And if they can't get that right, they're hopeless. Well, this will be interesting to watch because I think you've got – You've got a lot of Republicans, particularly in the House, where this is going to go through first, that are more interested in building their brand than they are in the party's brand. The party brand that they are used to doing is is Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss. And I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch because I don't disagree that the, the, the pitch is coming down the middle. Uh, it's going to probably have some late movement and it's got some real pace on it. And the question is, you know, this can is baseball stuff for those who aren't fans, but. By yes, the way, can you, you guys identify my double A ball T-shirt here? I'm there wearing? you go. Look at it's that. The most uh, garish one ever. Yeah, Look where's at, that from? It is a wolf with an eye patch wearing a ridiculous, almost ethically insensitive in our new woke era, though I like it, leprechaun hat over green. So somebody, if they email us, they're 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 win a salute next week, and then I'll tell you. So we're, I guess I just blew our own contest. But this is the incredible double A team of the Almighty Detroit Tigers. These are the Sea Wolves of Erie, Pennsylvania. There you go, and this a handsome is a St. Patrick's Day T-shirt, which yeah. literally looks like an SNL sketch about drunk Irish guys. But I'd still wear it with pride. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. So, Gibbsy, think about all the quarantine purchases you've made. The late oh, night yeah. pizza deliveries, the, uh, the the all the food stuff, the groceries, the online trainer you ghosted after two weeks. Then there's one of your biggest purchases of the year, insurance. Americans overspend on car and home insurance by billions every year. And that's money that could have been spent on more retail therapy. That's where the zebra can help you. The Zebra is the nation's leading insurance comparison site for car and home insurance. In minutes, you can compare policies for every major provider for free, all on one independent marketplace. After a few quick questions, the Zebra pairs people with the right insurance company for them, helping everyone save time and money. Buy online or over the phone with one of their licensed insurance agents. There are no hidden fees or fine print about your personal information. Best of all, the Zebra has no stake in the policy you choose. They're just there to help you get the best deal. Make those big insurance companies scamper and jump and beg and compete so you come out ahead. They're just there to help you find the coverage that's right for you. Make insurance your smartest purchase yet. Visit thezebra.com slash hacks. That's T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash H-A-C-K-S. Getting back to Scott for a second. Um, I thought there were, you know, there were some effective hits and there were some ridiculous ones in there. Uh, my guess is he scored on the school closing stuff. There are a lot of parents around the country who are frustrated at the pace at which schools yep. are re- have been reopening, and you know that was that was pretty effective. Uh, and there were a couple of other areas like that. There was there were some ridiculous areas uh, where he just went too far, and they, he played. You know, obviously he has standing to say these things. But um, when he uh, you want to Georgia he, right? He That's said race is not a race is not a political weapon. Uh, you know, 
to be wielded. Well, where's he been? I mean, you know how? I mean, you maybe you get to say that because you're the the you know an, a prominent African American in the Republican Party, but for four years, you know, for four years you've you've seen uh, dog whistling by Donald Trump in a really atrocious no no way. at an epic level. The problem is, as you guys both know. There's generally, you know, politics is always about forward and sins of the past melt away quickly. But yeah, it was hypocritical for him to say that. I thought his defense of the Georgia bill was disingenuous. But he's also yeah. playing Republican primary politics there a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Lee Atwater um, says hi, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's from South Carolina. No, I, I, look, again, I think this is this going to be the great test is is is. The moment of definition and and the the discipline required, quite frankly, on both sides, for Biden and others to press the case and the need and to continue to underscore it. Uh, while on the other end, you know, Republicans can they say disciplined and motivated to make that case because they see the benefit of it. Yeah, let me yeah. add one tag on Scott because there was something going on that in the world of the seventy five million who voted for Trump world, it was a an effective jolt, which he got into the whole deal of we a hundred years ago, we told people they're de- defined by their race a hundred years later, the left is doing that too. That whole hit. And instead of one uniting idea, we're a nation of groups. That thing has resonance in white Republican America. That is, is very powerful. And he was, he was hitting that middle C note loud and I'm sure it went deep. That's the thing people are going to talk to him about when they bump into him in voter land afterward and the school thing, which I agree with. Hey, back to Biden for a second. You know, he's 100% right about the competition in the world with mm-hmm. China. China goes around the world basically telling people democracies are a thing of the past. Democracies can't compete in this world. They are too, um, you know, bogged down in divisions. They can't, they're not agile enough. And we're the model that it can actually work and, and, and show progress in the 21st century. We can do big things because we're not bogged down by all of this cumbersome stuff that democracies have to deal with. He's right about like human that. Rights. And, 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 and there is a challenge for America and for our democracy to show, yeah, we, we can have 21st century infrastructure. We, we, we can, uh, build a social safety net that is equivalent to those of other uh, you know, other, uh, major industrial nations, uh, we, you know, we, we, we can deal with these problems and deal with these challenges and, and we can compete. Um, but the question is, is that, a is that an, is that exhortation, which is absolutely true? Is it politically motivational? No, I, I think it's deeply compelling. I, I think, look, I, I think particularly, you know, I think Republicans have been have been focused on 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 China and and you know red China if you will shows up in lots of political ads. Uh, I think it's a motivating factor, but I also think you know people are watching people are watching what's going on in the world and and they see and I think Biden was was pretty forthright when he said it like you know China's dead deadly serious about being the world's indispensable nation uh and the subtext there is hey by the way that would replace us as that and so i think that is a motivating thing i again i was struck by the number of times china got mentioned in a us address to congress i kind of think though that at at the end of the day the jobs 
he spoke compellingly about, uh, what did he call it, a blue plan for blue-collar jobs? Or Let, Let's cut to the president. President, what did you call it? The American Jobs Plan is a blue-collar blueprint to build America. That's what it is. That's compelling. You know, he also ad-libbed a line, uh, you know, when he was talking about climate change, about his, about his friends and neighbors uh, from growing up and, you know, the, how frightened people feel about uh, being dealt out of the game here, about losing their jobs, about not, you know, being part of that future and, you know, reassuring them that, and that, they, that they have to be, that they will be. I mean, he kind of captured a little bit of what is going on out there. And one of the things that I've been critical of Democrats about is moralizing about issues like climate change, about what our responsibilities are without any regard to how uh, this is going to impact on people who, who make a, their living in industries that are related to uh, old energy. Well, it's funny. On the China thing, I agree with Robert. There is some power there. The problem is the political power gets better the more you demagogue it. There's kind of this weird Jekyll and Hyde thing with Trump on this because Trump was, oh, they're right. they're stealing. The, we need more steel mills. So we did stupid protectionist policy on steel. Biden was doing that. Well, we need blades made here. I, I'm for America having the best, cheapest blades money can buy from anywhere in the world, just like I hope they buy American goods when they're, that's free trade, comparative advantage, economics 101, better for everybody. I would rather have that system and be able to afford 5,000 efficient wind turbines than be able to afford 800 built by his friends in local aid at 7x the price. So, <laughs> you know, you've got to have a trade offensive against the Chinese. But to me, none of these polls have any credibility because they were all against the TPP, which was the smartest move in China everywhere, everywhere from Hillary to Trump to Biden, I believe. Um, so, you know, I, the rhetoric works politically, but Obama. solving the problem No, no, Obama was hard. for the TPP. And Obama right. was, but I don't think, didn't Biden come out? Uh, we will have to fact check me and I will be humiliated next week if I'm wrong about that. Oh, I thought you, yeah. I misunderstood. Oh, Biden, Biden was, excuse me, Obama, the ticket was for it. But I mm -hmm. thought in his maneuvering in the presidential race, uh, we're check on this. I may be wrong. There's a whole challenge that we're going to have in winning the climate fight without doing uh, and, and, and being hard on China without purchasing everything we need to win the climate fight from China. There's, there's no doubt going to be that. I, I think it was not an accident, though. That that wind turbine comment came from wind turbine blades built in Beijing. So uh, you know, again, I, I think they're 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 very very focused on the the, the Chinese thing. The very very focused. And they on should that be. Argument. It's a good thing they are. Yeah. No. It's uh. It's and 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 it will be. It, look, the the Chinese don't think the the one thing that that is true is they don't think in four year increments, right? <laughs> they think in like thousand year increments. Uh, so, you know, they're on the long view here. They have a meritocracy with corruption they don't like to talk about, you know, <laughs> which we we have a meritocracy in getting elected, but we don't have a meritocracy in governing efficiency. Yeah. You know, there's this whole I, I got hauled over to Singapore once and they put me in a room and said, listen, you idiot, we, we've really figured this thing out. We have an authoritarian system, a soft one, but free enterprise. 
So we give social order and growth and we've taken our people from poor to rich, blah, blah, blah. There is kind of, it's a Confucian way to kind of look at things. And I, I, how did I you know, get out of the room? <laughs> <laughs> no, then they put me in a, he when I asked about shirt. how do you do your districting, they said, well, this year we're going to let the opposition party break double digits for the first time. We may let them get to 15. And then they created me up and shift, shipped me back home. That's but, the way we used to do it in Chicago. Yeah, no, no. I think they, they studied your American ways, Honorable Axel Rod, before <laughs> they, uh, but my point being about the Chinese, it, you can have an embarrassing talk with a crafty uh, Chinese official where they say, hey, you know, your guys spend all your time trying to bullshit your way to reelection and dividing your country around here. If you can't pick up the trash and, you know, can't make it work, we, we throw you out of the party and your kid doesn't get to go to UCLA. We're a meritocracy. Now, they're bullshitting because of the corruption level, which is involved, but they, they have an argument. Abridgment of human rights, and of course. Political yeah, rights yeah, concentration and, camps. No yeah. free. Uh, believe me, I've I've never Gweers. trusted this whole red China thing since the great <laughs> Chiang Kai Shek uh, failed to win the Chinese <laughs> Civil War. I have a poster for a free China in my office, but but I'm just saying we're not really showing them the A plus superpower level the way democracy ought to work right now. Well, and and, and Biden gets to that. We should bring on this the last sort of bite to hear is Biden gets to that at the end of the speech and brings in January the 6th in in what I thought was a, a, a fairly powerful end of the speech. Let's, let's listen to that. They look at the images of the mob that assaulted the Capitol as proof that the sun is sending on American democracy. But they're wrong. You know it, I know it. But we have to prove them wrong. I, I agree this is powerful. It has the virtue of being true. It rallies us to something larger. I still somehow think that his ability to talk to people about their lives and, you know, issues like childcare and uh, about their jobs and about uh, the, the things that they're t- talking about around their kitchen tables ultimately is a more powerful uh, rhetorical weapon, even than 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 this. But but bottom line it for me, you guys. Let's we can put a button on this whole conversation. What was gained tonight? Uh, and you know, I mean, I kind of and I said on TV. I I, I think you got to view this as the launch of something, uh, not as the uh, sum total of something. I don't think you know. I don't think he he moved the needle particularly. Tonight, but he framed the argument. Now he has to go out and sell it every day. We haven't addressed the one thing that brought ostensibly everybody together, and that's this this made-up Washington hallmark holiday of the 100th day of the Biden presidency, which is um, talked about a lot and has, to your point, David, zero significance. And so I do think in many ways – they use the moment that the press obsesses about from presidential historians around FDR and used it as that moment to start this larger kickoff around, hey, here's what we did in in focusing on getting the economy moving again and getting shots in people's arms. And here's our now next big unfinished task. So in that way, I do think the starting gun went off. And, and the race on that has begun. Yeah, but they they made the 100-day thing real by 
putting the president of the United States there with a hundred day paper hat on and giving a bit. I mean, I agree it's a bullshit thing, but they just, they declared monopoly money real. Look, just to be clear, I, I we Axel remember this. I go out to brief close to the hundredth day of our administration, and we'd sort of decided in the back rooms this hundred day thing is bullshit. We're gonna this this Washington's contrived this thing. I go out in the briefing room, piss and moan all over the hundred day thing, right? Come back from briefing into another meeting, and while I'm out briefing, they decided to take the hundredth day seriously. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we're doing a, a primetime press conference, and we're doing it because the truth is, we you just could, did that to fuck with you. It, it, it we worked. just did it again too, and it worked. <laughs> and it worked. Uh, I was furious for like two minutes, and then realized that again, the the, the this this hundredth day thing was going to happen. I think they just used it smartly to try to make something of it. I think it was brilliant. Okay, I'll do the contrarian side just to be a pain in the well, ass. Well, I was just going to say night. one more thing. Just, Go ahead. To your point, Axe, I think it's of little significance. It's really from here on out that is what matters. I would say that for devil's advocate, because I'm torn, I can see the plus argument, but they also put a pin, they declared victory after 100 days in COVID. They set a clock for the next 100 days. And I think the next 100 days are going to be a lot worse for them than the last hundred days yeah. so i'm not sure they were they they really wanted to take the bow yet i think they could have got another 50 days out of that and done the big recovery rally without mask 80 percent of the country's had at least there i think they could yeah. have milked it longer i don't like the channel change and again i think the next hundred days because he's made this huge tax and spend bet that is really dangerous because stylistically he's bulletproof his grandpa good guy not crazy not an asshole biden but the policy is Elizabeth Warren, and that is a that's a change up to what I think a lot of people voted for, and we're seeing the the suburbs what happens. They turn on their TV and they don't see or hear Elizabeth Warren. Yep, big plus. I mean, I was thinking I was thinking about this this morning actually. You know, he could be running on her platform or Bernie Sanders' platform, and I don't think either one of them could get it done. But I think he can. Well, that, it's like the old Reagan thing, the smiling face on, you know, from the liberal attack point of view, the Goldwater policy. All I know is the question for me a year from now, which I will answer on Hacks on Tap, did we trade in George Wallace for Henry Wallace? Google it. <laughs> there you go. A late night episode with an obscure reference. Just on this, all of this discussion, I mean, the Republicans have recognized and they recognized a long time ago the difficulties they have with portraying this guy as a, a left-wing socialist radical. Yeah. And so their solution to it is to uh, suggest that Grandpa is senile and not in control and that he's just the w witless dupe of... <laughs> of no, you're uh, right. It's a blunder and it doesn't work. You're totally right, right about you this. You can't, like, yeah. right, the witless dupe is getting us all to do this. this in the midterms, he's not on the election. You can say, we all like Grandpa, but his, you know, his idiot... No, um, you. Yep. You know, accountant is running wild. Let's curb them a little bit. Let's, they can send a corrective in the midterm. They don't have to kill grandpa. Before we go, we should uh, note that something else happened today, which is that uh, the Braves uh, beat the Cubs. No, the, the, yeah, uh, the Operation uh, Deep That Borsh. wouldn't even be news at this point. <laughs> uh, but Rudy Giuliani, who used to dispatch FBI agents to, uh, to raid uh, the home and office of bad guys, uh, had his home and office raided because he's now, and, and that's like a serious thing. Absolutely. I mean, to get a warrant to go 
raid the office and the the home of the president's former lawyer where their privileged documents can exist to get a judge to okay that you've got to yeah. show them like a murder scene photo with rudy dancing around with a gun i mean they've got something and uh this is no this is a really serious deal well you know his lawyer argued his lawyer said it was complaining that you know the, the audacity of doing this to a former uh, you know, ass- assistant attorney general, U.S. attorney, mayor of New York, and the president's personal lawyer, he kind of underscored the point that you just made, Mike, which is, damn, they must have something big for a judge to issue <laughs> yeah. a, to issue a subpoena to do that. Yeah, I, I don't know what they showed him, but it, it you know, it, uh, it, it, it had to be big. So, and they wouldn't have made the political bet at the top level to go fishing there because of all the blowback they'll get from Trump land unless they knew there was a big mackerel stinking away in the closet there somewhere. So, Well, and interestingly enough, the, the, the report suggested that, that the Justice Department wanted to do this in, in the fall and were prevented by uh, the, the, by the attorney general and, and, and his regime from, from executing this. Um, but you're right. It's a huge escalation. And it, there's a, is the, 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 the idea that they are, are going to find something is, is, has certainly gotten a judge to sign off on the ability to walk into somebody's house and, uh, and seize electronic equipment and, and other stuff. So I, I, you, interestingly enough today, I don't think, I don't think Donald Trump commented on this. Oh, yeah. I think he's trying to forget he ever met him. It's going to make the Hillary emails look like Mother Goose. And I have to say, point of personal privilege, I knew the the old Rudy when he was a Paul around New York. And I had a soft spot for him. And he was talented at it. And he was an operator. And you could see the crazy glint in his eye from time to time. But never has somebody fallen so far uh, since at least Dick Nixon in, in public life than Rudy Giuliani has. And it's kind of a tragic story. It is an interesting, this is the 20-year 20, 20 anniversary of September 11th. It is quite an arc in your career to go from where he did uh, to where he uh, must be sitting tonight uh, a little little uh, more than 20 years ago. I can't join with you, Murphy, on this one. I can't feel solicitude i can't call it a tragic well you're story. you're an old sto- new york progressive you, Rudy's tra- no always no it's a- not that it's that a, a tragic story is a guy completely unmoored who was willing to com- undermine and destroy the fundamental basis of american democracy on behalf of his friend and ally and client uh to go out to to, to appear in front of courts and uh well, not in front of courts because he wouldn't do it. and He was too smart to do it in front of courts. But to go in public and make allegations about it, the election, for example, that were completely untrue. To be skulking around the U- U- Ukraine trying to recruit people who would dirty up Joe Biden. No, I don't feel sorry for Rudy Giul- Giuliani. I don't think it's tragic. I think it's, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's, it's appalling. I Look, I hope he gets the handcuffs because of all he did. But my point is just the, the story of decline like that is, is stunning. And it still shocks me that the kind of cynical, entertaining, effectively um, practical Paul that I knew 20 years ago turned into this monster. That is my point. Yeah, I, I will you. not feel sorry for him if what he did in the Ukraine gets him in jail. In fact, I'll be perfectly fine with it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more. I, I think there's a lot we don't know. I don't know what Lev and Igor, was it Igor? 
oh hell, I don't know, commie one, commie two. It's like the <laughs> I don't know, I don't know yeah. what those guys have shared, but uh, but I mean, I I just you know, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, it, it's gonna get bad. That is my prediction. Pulling a lot of strings and lots unraveling. That's for sure. Big starter gun tonight, Biden, the second hundred. We will be talking about it, and uh, you know. Every time I put my head on the pillow, I dream about you guys. So it's really a treat to be talking to you at one fifteen in the morning, in in the flesh. Yeah. Well, thank you for creeping me out. I was gonna say, <laughs> we were doing so well. I'll talk. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back at our regular bat time and bat channel hackaroos next week. I don't know which what the duel. Is. I think it's Axe and somebody next week. And, I think uh, it's me and Axe. And I just want to say, okay. Axe, on on behalf of Murphy, um, you, you need better dreams. <laughs> no doubt about it that's the way i feel every night all right yes. guys i'll, I'll see all you right. next week bye see you bye, bye. bye.